The following audio is from Heritage Christian Fellowship. More information about Heritage Christian Fellowship is available at heritagefellowship.net. Are we on here? How's everybody doing this morning? Merry Christmas. It's good to see you guys. Uh, for some of you, uh, it might be the last time that I get to see you guys before uh, Christmas itself, though I hope you'll be joining us this Thursday night. We'll be having our Christmas Eve candlelit service this Thursday night, so no Wednesday night service. We're going to have that service on Thursday night. It is at 6.30, so want to make sure and invite you to that and uh, bring some people with you. It's always just a great, fun, beautiful time. Candles. We even have the safe kind with the cups so your kids don't burn themselves. I mean theoretically. And uh, so really want to encourage you guys to come out with us this Thursday night and make some time to join the family there. And a couple of other announcements, just to let you guys know, the uh, Christmas food basket kind of project that we, we did here as a church to be able to reach out to the community, um, the Lord just really blessed that. And even the, the number of people in need far exceeded what we actually expected that we were going to be reaching out to. Um, but the Lord just brought things together even at the last second as he always so faithfully does. So this year we were able to provide a total of 124 Christmas meals in the Valley um, through DHS, the Veterans Administration, Hearts with a Mission and even families that are part of our own congregation. So thank you so much for participating in that. We're really excited about that. Yeah. And then uh, also uh, one other thing that's going to be going on today, um, this is the time of the year that we get together to celebrate the birth of this special baby. And it's also a really good time, um, just natural connections here to think about the fact that at the same time we celebrate a baby that, that God miraculously and supernaturally protected against those that wanted to kill him even as he was young. Um, we have this opportunity in our community um, to be a part of an organization and of a, a mission and resource to save babies that are under attack as well, um, even still in the mother's womb. Um, we, we enjoy working close with the pregnancy center in town and their director, Cindy Bright. Many of you guys know about them and the work that we've got to do with them. Um, and you may know that there was this really cool thing that came down through a friend of ours named Jeff Gilbert who works with an organization named Save the Storks and we got connected with him, found out about this program they do, went to Cindy and said, hey, you need to talk with this guy and, and kind of help get some people all at the same table as well as uh, bringing all the other churches in the valley together to talk about this too. And, and if you're new, what, what they do is, is they build out these buses with mobile ultrasound units inside and they'll go park at different areas, even across the street sometimes from like uh, Planned Parenthood or abortion clinic. Um, and, and it's just this awesome option. It's, it's the best thing I've ever seen in terms of dealing with the issue of abortion without coming off with a, as a bunch of hate mongers. Um, it really ministering to these young women and the, the effect that this program has, the, the successes and the track record and, and the love and the gospel that's shared is unbelievable. And, and so in, in working through that um, and looking at how this organization works and connecting them with our local resource center to try to get a bus like that built for our valley, um, the Lord has just been bringing a lot of stuff together. Someone made a matching donation to this specific project of $125,000 and then challenged the churches of the valley to match that so that not only could we afford the bus, but be able to, to staff it and have operational costs for a few years to come so that they could actually, you know, afford to use it. And so we've been working together with a lot of the different churches in the valley that we enjoy friendships with and with the resource center. And the Lord has just been doing some cool stuff. Um, we're up to, I think, over 50-something 
something, maybe close to sixty now thousand um, dollars in getting that one hundred twenty-five thousand. And uh, what we wanted to do is just take an opportunity again, even this morning. And, and again, it's for, first of all, if you're visiting us here, we are just glad you're here. This is this is a heritage family thing, and we're just really blessed that you're here. This is not. I came to a Christmas service and they hit me up for money. It's it's not like that. We already passed the basket, so we're done with you on that. But um, what the the idea is this: if you guys are looking for opportunities still in this year to just want to be able to give out of the abundance that the Lord has blessed you with, there's going to be opportunity at the end of the service to be able to give towards that specific project. And some of you go, "Hey, wait a minute! Didn't we like fill out paperwork once for that thing, and that one dude lost all our stuff when his car got broken into?" Yes, so we're not doing that. Okay, we got that covered. But there's going to be some men at the door where you could give. And then Cindy and the gals will be over at the resource table. And they even have those little cube things where if you wanted to give with your card, you can even swipe right there. Um, but we're doing that also. We, we want to, to really take an opportunity to share with you um, and with them at the same time. Um, the Lord has just really blessed our church this year. Amen. The Lord has just really blessed our church this year. And, and so out of that and seeing what's going on with the Resource Center and, and having the privilege to really be part of getting this whole thing off the ground with this Save the Storks bus program, um, we've decided as a church corporately to make a gift towards that project. So we're giving them, in addition to whatever anyone else might be uh, led to give this morning, we're giving them a check this week for $15,000 as a church to be able to go towards that. And we're really excited about that. So... So thank you guys so much for your faithfulness in giving that allows us as a church corporately to be a part of something like that. And just continue, if you would, to pray. Um, and then also just a reminder, this is sort of our Christmas service. So there's some kids in here that are wiggly and squiggly. And uh, we're totally cool with that. Your nativity scene with the baby that never cries and never makes any noise probably not realistic. And uh, so this is a chance for us as a family to get together and worship without having half the people in childcare and half the people teaching kids. This is a family service. So if your kid's going to wiggle and dance, and there was one dude back there, I don't know if you guys saw him rocking out during worship. Um, we're going to put him on the worship team because he could teach you guys a thing or two. So, hey, kids that are in here, we're glad to have you guys. It's a blessing to have you as not just part of our family and church, but in here with us this morning. So with all that in mind, do me a favor and turn to Matthew chapter two. Oh, by the way, I forgot this part. Sorry, Aaron. Um, the Wednesday, there's no Wednesday service next week either. The Wednesday between Christmas and New Year's, there's no services. Just giving you guys a heads up on that as well. We tend to just close the office that week. So uh, letting you guys know. Did I forget something else? Oh yeah. If you, have a, if you don't have a Bible, stick your hand up nice and high. It's not written on my sheet. I forgot. <laughs> stick your hand up nice and high. We'll make sure that you get one of those. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, that's our gift to you. And we pray that the Lord would use that to teach you more and more about who he is, his grace, his kindness, his plan for your life. We're going to be in Matthew chapter two, and I'm going to open up in a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for this opportunity to come together as a family, this particular church family that we have here, Lord, and, and just to give you the praise and honor due your name. Lord, our desire is not to do a holiday service, but to honor you. And so I pray, God, you would be honored in our giving, in our singing, in our giving of attention as we look to this book. And Lord, I pray that, that this wouldn't just be some Christmas tradition study story we're looking at, but I pray, God, that you would engage our hearts, Lord, that we would leave this place different than when we came, and that we would carry the light that you've put in us into the world around us. 
So God, may you just bless us, may you teach us, may your spirit move in this place. And Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Oh, my King, my rock, my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, uh, how many people, show of hands, and don't be afraid of being labeled a nerd, because I did too. How many people have seen Star Wars already? Hands up. That is way less than I thought. Well, the rest of you are going to be really disappointed because I am loaded with spoilers in the rest of the sermon here today, and this is all I got. So uh, here we go. Um, <laughs> no, I was talking to somebody, and they were like, hey, no spoilers this week, and I was like, well, we'll see what the tithe is. <laughs> kidding. Totally kidding. Totally kidding. Great movie. A lot of fun. Um, I, I don't know about you guys. Some of you guys, I grew up on Star Wars. Like I saw the first ever Star Wars movie in a drive-in theater sitting sort of out the window with my friend on the other side, like looking at each other and looking at the thing. And it was just mind blowing watching that. So getting to go, we're going to take our kids this week. Yes, I already saw it without the kids. Um, I know it's a little weird, but we had a little staff outing, so it's okay. But, um, but we're going to take the kids this week, and, and it's fun with those kind of things, especially as your kids get to the age where they can watch some of those kind of movies. And even, even just going to the movie theater in general and seeing that wonder and excitement in their eyes. Or, or maybe you guys have done like we'll do with our family every year, go on the Christmas light tour. Some of you guys do that, drive around town, go see all the Christmas lights, and just seeing the children's just face lighting up and the excitement and the anticipation. Then there's a message in there for us. Because the one thing we do know and that we see consistently as we go through the word is that the things of earth that fill us with awe and wonder and excitement are not intended to be this full source of awe, wonder, and excitement. It's meant to point us to something else. And so even something as simple or even silly as a Star Wars movie shouldn't end on itself, but it should fill us with wonder about a God who could create galaxies, about a God that could do the things that he's done. The excitement towards a movie should remind us about the excitement of Jesus and the fact that he promises that he's coming again. And that's the point of an Advent service. The, the Advent services are something that, that the old church had put together years ago, a, a way of taking time out of the year, not just to go through some normal religious tradition, but, but to be able to set aside time to focus on the reality that Jesus has come, that our hope has entered the world, no matter how dark or no matter how bad things may be, but also to remember, as we'll get into a lot next week for all you prophecy buffs, that he's coming again. Amen. And our prayer is, is that in going through something like an Advent series, and then you and your time with your family outside of the church gatherings, that, that there would be this same kind of anticipation, the, the same kind of excitement and anticipation that would lead grown men to wear costumes outside for eight hours standing in line for a movie. Grown men. I, I saw some of those guys Friday and I was thinking, on one sense, I'm like proud of you because like you just don't care what people think about you at all. That's good. And then I'm like, but in another sense, you should care a little bit more about what people think about you because you're a grown man in a Halloween costume in December. But, but anyway, the same kind of anticipation that would lead someone to do that, should, that should pale in comparison to the joy and excitement and anticipation we have in the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again. He's, guys, remember, he's coming again. He's coming again. There, there is a force 
that holds all things. Don't worry, I'm not going to Star Wars after this, I swear. But there, there is a force out there that holds all things together, but it's not some mythological power. It's not some sci-fi mystery. It is a real thing, but it's a real person. His name is Jesus Christ, and he has given his life so that that same power might be in all men, and he's coming again in power and might. And that totally should have gotten amen. Don't you guys think for sure? Amen. Amen. So, so far in our Advent series, I forgot to light the candles. So far in our Advent series, we have looked at the need. It was a little bit dark that week, but we've seen the need, the reality that we are a sinful, fallen, broken people. And that the, the, the whole point of the birth of Jesus Christ was not just some cute thing. It wasn't even just some thing to show how humble he was, but, but Jesus came for a specific reason, the reality that we have desperately fallen short of the glory, grandeur of God, that we have sinned and rebelled against him and that we are absolutely doomed apart from Jesus. That's why he came. Then we looked at the promise last week. The promise that God has made since the very beginning of time over and over and over. I'm coming. I'm your hope. I'm your promise. I'm your fulfillment. I'm your joy. You'll find no joy in anything other than me. The promise. Today we look at the arrival. This is our family Christmas service. We're going to look at the story, the birth story of Jesus Christ. Next week we will get into the second coming, the return next Sunday. But for right now, we're in Matthew chapter 2. But before we get there, what was that night really like? I mean, a, a lot of people this time of year, especially pastors looking for creative sermons, love to find ways to kind of bust up our preconceived notions, our nativity scenes and all those kind of things. What was that night really like when Jesus came? I mean, we sing, and I don't know, maybe Sam's got it on the ledger for after. I have no idea. But we sing Silent Night, Holy Night. It's a good song. Amen. Amen for Christmas carols, somebody? It's a good song. It's a good song. It's maybe my least favorite of the Christmas songs because it's, uh, I'm more of an upbeat. I need something to drive to. But I don't think that accurately depicts what that would be like. I mean, Jesus Christ being born into the world, silent night, cute little silent baby. Should we look at it the way that we look at birth in our own culture, in our own families? Like, oh, the sweet little... I mean, there's an element, of course, that that would apply. But just for reminder's sake, to set this stage, consider what Paul says to us in the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, we have the text here. This baby, who was this baby in the manger? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of Jesus, by the blood of his cross. This is who's in the manger. The ultimate, 
the Lord, the God who holds all things, who created all things, all things are made by him, all things are made for him, everything held together. This isn't just some cute baby, this is the Lord. And on that night that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, it wasn't just a birth. Bethlehem became the beachfront. Bethlehem became, excuse me, the beachhead for the largest and most significant invasion the world has ever seen. When the light of the world entered into the darkness on the, of the earth, that baby came on a mission bent to drive the evils of hell off this world forever. It's not just a, oh, moment. It is an entry of the most powerful force, if you will, that this world has ever seen. It was a violent collision between good and evil. This is who we're gathered to worship. Let's not get lost in the sentimentality of a nativity scene and forget the fact that this is our Lord. This is our King. This is the one that we see returning in revelation in power and in might and in majesty. This is our Lord. And whenever light enters darkness, darkness flees. That's what happened that night. That's what happened when the light shone bright. That's what happened when the angels filled the sky. That's what happened when that baby was born, be it cave or manger or whatever the historians argue about what it looked like. Light invaded darkness in that moment. Our king came. And so, so our time spent here like this is not just some exercise in sentimentality or tradition. Our time is well spent, gathered together, considering the reality of this king because, plain and simple, he's worthy. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at this story in Matthew chapter 2, the story of the wise men who came, and just look at a couple of areas to show us their example showing us just absolutely how worthy this king is. Look at Matthew 2 verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go, search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose before, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures. They offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Essential oil people, just calm down. It's in the Bible! It's in the Bible! Okay, calm down. We're with you. We got it. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Let's talk about this for just a minute. Now, 
first of all, I know that you go, wait a minute, the three kings, if they left, some people say he might have been three years old when the king came. That's not really the nativity scene. You're doing this on Christmas morning. It doesn't apply. Just stop it already. This is a Christmas service. Amen. Three kings are okay, amen? So the three kings come. What do we know about these three kings from Orient are? Well, we know that. That's all. That's all we got. Oh, there's conjecture. There's things like that. But as far as what do we actually know about these three kings, it's all that right there, which isn't a whole lot. We know they came from the east, though. How did they know? How did they find out? I mean, how is it that they could be anticipating this? How is it that they could see such a sign and interpret it? How did they know? Well, I, I think from this, one thing we can learn about Jesus Christ is he is worthy of our attention. He is worthy of our attention. Because th- think about this. They came from the East. Who, who could have possibly been in the East that they would know? Israel? When it was in captivity? In exile? And, and these are, as far as we know, not Jewish men. So, so consider this. These are men of power and resource from the East who learned either maybe through the words of a guy like Daniel or through the prophetic writings, but somewhere along the line, they learn of this Jewish Messiah that's to come from w- things that were written thousands of years ago. And they're waiting for it. They, they don't just know, they're waiting for it. Paying attention, devoting your attention to something is not the same as just knowing something. Because consider this, Herod sees this, he finds out there's this baby that's going to be born and he wants to know more about it, right? Who does he go to? The text tells us, verse three, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him and assembling all the who? The chief priests and scribes of the people. He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. He, he gathers together all the religious leaders in Israel, the people who more than anyone should have been anticipating the return of the Messiah. And he asked them, hey, where's this king supposed to be born? And notice, they don't have to go research. They know this. Oh, Bethlehem. But because it's written, and they go into it, they read the prophecy in Bethlehem. It's written, and to you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Think about that. The most religious people in Jerusalem knew he was supposed to come. Knew it by heart. Knew exactly the text to go to to show it. Knew all of these things and were not one bit moved. And here's these men from who knows how far away who learned these things from who knows how. And not only did they know that this was to come, they were ready for it. They were watching for it. When the star came, their attention was devoted to it and they were moved. Church, listen, this is the big fight for the church in Christmas season. It's not the fight for gifts. It's not the fight uh, against Starbucks because someone thinks that they're not being Christian enough or any of those kind of things. The fight is for our own souls to be attentive and moved this Christmas. Not just know that Jesus is coming, but to be moved for it not to just be a vain religious thing that we go to because that's what these people were doing and they missed Jesus and had all the knowledge in the world. Oh, that our hearts and minds could be like these kings who not just knew something, but were moved by it. Which leads us to the next point. He's not just worthy of our attention, he's worthy of our pursuit. Look at verse nine. 
After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And they saw the star and they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. These men, they had this knowledge and they had this attention, but it resulted in something. They went. They said, I'm pursuing this. I'm after this. You even see, it's kind of the old joke, the second miracle in that time was the fact that men in Jerusalem stopped and asked for directions. Hey, hey, where's this baby supposed to be born instead of just trying to figure it out on their own? But they're pursuing. They're leaving home. They're traveling who knows how far. All to come find a baby. That's how moved these men are. It reminds us, or it should remind us, Matthew 13 says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had to buy that field. The kingdom of heaven is something so valuable that you should be willing, and not just willing, but like joyful and excited to sell and get rid of everything else you have in order that you can have this. That's the reality of Christmas. Every gift we get this year for Christmas Every gift we get will be lost one day. Every gift that we give someone else this year will one day end up in a landfill after a couple or more garage sales along the way. All of them. The parking lots are filled with people buying things, and that's great. I love to buy things for my kids. I'm excited for what we got our kids this year, but they're just things. And may the pursuit of our hearts be just like these men, to not, to not get caught up in the things and just know something about this. May we not be those who Jesus becomes the oh yeah and Jesus this holiday season. But remember Colossians, he is the preeminent of all things. Nothing else we do or have or could ever possibly pursue in this life will ever amount to the person of Jesus Christ. It will all be gone one day, but Jesus will never be gone. He is eternal. He reigns forever. Sooner or later, the lights are going to come down off the house, right? The lights are going to come down off the house, right? If you're in my neighborhood, not February, like soon the lights will come off the house, right? The, the excitement of this season, the joy, the celebration, all that kind of stuff, as great as it is, it's going to fade back into normalcy. But Jesus Christ is the most preeminent. He is the King of Kings. And may we learn from these men And may we continue to ask the Lord for the strength and faith to be able to say, Lord, help me keep what's most important, most important. Help me to keep my eyes upon you during these things and not just in a holiday season because Jesus Christ is still worth it. He is worthy of our pursuit. As they say, wise men still seek him. Amen? And the third thing is this, last thing. He's worthy of our faith. Look at verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And they opened their treasures. They offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Do you ever think 
Do you ever think, I mean, just be real, not just Christmas Christian for a second. Be like real and just think about it. Do you ever think that at any point along the way, any of these men, because I, I don't want to uphold them as some sort of super Christian that we can attain to. I bet you they were just like us. And if they were just like us, I bet you at some point along the way as they were making that journey, one of them went, hey, Steve, um, I don't know, are, are you sure about this? Are you sure about that? What, what did your wife say, by the way, when you were leaving? Are, you, are, is it, are, are we sure? I mean, think about it, Steve. I mean, I, I'm not saying, I'm just, just having a question, but we're doing all this because of the writings of, of a people that we enslaved thousands of years ago. We're leaving everything behind to go, go find a baby. Are, Steve, are you sure? Have you ever had doubts? Do you ever have wonders and worries? But their faith brings them to Bethlehem. Their faith brings them to a place where they're bowing down. I mean, think about this before. Have, have you ever met someone of real, we would say, power or notoriety? Maybe a, a politician. I, I got to meet the president of the United States one time. I got to meet Michael Jordan one time. I've had the, the opportunity here and there to meet people that you would consider men of great influence, men of great power. And there's something about those men that you tend to see a lot of times. They're the kind of guy that when he walks into the room, you automatically know they're sort of more important than everyone else in the room. They just sort of carry themselves in a certain way. The attention in the room diverts to them in a certain way. Everything's different. And you could come into a room, not have a clue who that person is, but you could still easily discern that guy for some reason is a little more important than everyone else in this room. And I think sometimes our idealistic view of Christmas gets tainted when we think about these guys and tainted is probably a bad word, but it gets filtered because we look at the nativity through the cross and through the resurrection, don't we? See, we, we have the ability to look back and go, that's the son of God who rose again. That's Jesus who walked on water. That's, that's, that's who that is. Of course you go in there with gold, frankincense, and myrrh and bow down. But, but to them, they're coming in with these kind of gifts for a baby. They brought, they brought gold to a baby, which by the way, should the Lord intervene and I miraculously have more children? I am totally down with gold for my child if you would like to give gifts. But, but isn't that, have you ever thought about that? That's a little weird. They bring this stuff of incredible value. They brought gold, frankincense, myrrh, essential oil people. If you rub that on their feet, they'll get a 4.0 in college. I, okay, I get it. Essential oils people, I, I got it. My wife does that. I'm gonna be in trouble later. But, but think about that for just a second. The faith that it took these men from so far away, following what they had been told, what the Lord administered in their heart from thousands of miles away maybe, from writings thousands of years old, teachings thousands of years old, to come to a place and see a baby, not the most powerful man in the room, not some guy you're brought into a meet and greet and in comes the celebrity. They came into a baby. They came into a child and they bowed and worshiped. You know how much faith that takes? You know how much faith that takes? And if, if, if we just have to be honest, like, wouldn't we struggle at times? Do we, do we ever find times in our own life where we go, oh, come let us adore him, but I'm scared. Or, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, if we had to be honest, listen, we've been following Jesus for 20 plus years. Not like these guys who just found this and go. Some of us have been following Jesus for 20 plus years and don't we still have moments of doubt in our own? Aren't there things sometimes of value that we struggle letting go of and turning over to Jesus? 
oh, Lord, 10%? Really? Or, or my life? Really? Or, or, or give this relationship up, Lord? Really? Lord, Lord uh, what, do we, what do we do? You, you want me to follow you? That means, that means I have to make this decision and I can't do this. It means I'm gonna stand out in front of them and, and if we're not careful, we can be filled with doubts and fears and yet we look at these men who came from so far with the Lord ministering to their hearts, no doubt, they come to this place before a baby, what great faith that must be. But I bet you they had questions. You know, one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible is I believe it's in Mark chapter nine. The, the story where there's a man who's, whose child is sick, or no, I'm sorry, it's not sick, it's possessed with a demon, and the demon has been causing it to like foam at the mouth and sickness, and not only that, but throwing the child down into the flames and, and constantly trying to destroy that child. And I don't know about you, but if you're like me and you have children, when you hear stories like that or stories in the news, abductions, things like that, in my mind, I instantly go there. Like, like that's my child. What would that feel like? And, and imagine, like I have a nine-year-old, why? watched her dancing in the Nutcracker Ballet just last night, just this cute little nine-year-old girl that weighs maybe 50 pounds, this little girl. And, and what if that was me? Like, what if you were like that guy in that story, so hopeless, no one can help, nobody can do anything, that child is, is just struggling constantly, and, and he comes to Jesus, and Jesus says, all things are possible for those who believe. I can do anything for those of you that have faith. All things are possible. And that guy's response is the greatest life verse that any of us should ever have. He says what? He says, I believe, help my unbelief. That's one of the best passages in all the Bible. Because we've all been there. Lord, I trust you, but I'm scared. Lord, I believe that you're for my good. I believe that you're the king, but, but I don't know. I, I, like I see this right now and it seems too real and too big. Lord, I know that you're good, but this year I'm going through Christmas without so-and-so. Lord, I, I know that you're good, but this year, Jeff's talking about gifts. I can't even afford the movie ticket. Lord, I know that you're good, but help my unbelief. And it, if this is your first Christmas without a loved one, if this is a Christmas that, that maybe your experience so far isn't totally marked by constant joy, and, and look, for some people, the holidays are horrible. For some people, the holidays are the most depressing time. For some people, they're more alone than they've ever been on the holidays. I mean, if you're in this place, let me just encourage you. He is worthy of your faith. He is worthy of your faith. And the best thing you could possibly do, whatever you're dealing with, whatever you brought into this room with you, whatever's going on in your life, the best thing that you could do is say, I want that kind of faith, but I don't have that kind of faith. Lord, help me with my unbelief. Because he's worthy. Heritage, family gathered together. Jesus is the king, amen? He's the king. He's not just a baby in a nativity scene. He's the king. And he's coming again. That thing you're struggling with won't matter one day. The, the fact that you're alone in the holidays won't matter one day. The darkness that you still feel, you hear, Jeff, you're talking about light invaded darkness. Well, no light feels like it's invaded my darkness. Put your faith in Jesus and just believe. Because he's worthy of our attention 
He's worthy of our pursuit. And he is worthy of our faith. Hope has come. And heritage, it's coming back. Amen? Will you stand and pray with me? God, in this moment right now, as we close with just a couple more songs, I'm just asking for one thing, Lord. Will you just bless us with this one thing? Lord, don't let us just sing from vain religious knowledge. God, will you just give us, I pray by your spirit, empower us in this moment to focus on who you are, the reality that you have come, And Lord, maybe your spirit would move in this place so that we might be moved in our souls with anticipation, excitement, joy. And Lord, for those who maybe aren't feeling hope and excitement in this season, I pray, God, you would help their unbelief. That even as we sing these songs, they would be reminded that hope has come, that you do promise to come again. You are not gonna leave us in this, that you are a good father. Lord, may you receive even these songs, not as vain tradition or Christmas carols, but as songs of worship and pleas of help from our heart. In Jesus' name, let's sing.